there, and welcome back to Brick by Brick. I'm your host, Emily Verbecki, and I'm looking forward to another engaging conversation with today's guests and the opportunity to learn more about what makes Albion so special, especially we know the people who are working and doing great work in Albion make it extra special. So today our guest is has been a resident of Albion for many years, has worked for many well-known organizations in our region, and also has taken on countless leadership roles. Amy Ryman currently works as the development manager at Oaklawn, who is a, provide, a primary care provider and healthcare system here in um, Albion and the surrounding areas, primarily out of Marshall. And Amy also serves as a member of the Albion Community Foundation Board, Albion Rotary, current president of the Albion Rotary, right, Amy? And then also she is a current board member of the Greater Albion Chamber of Commerce and Visitors Bureau. She was just recently uh, the most recent president of the, the Chamber of Commerce. So we're I am so excited, and I'm sure that this conversation we're going to uncover at least one more way that Amy is involved in Albion, I can only imagine. But I'm hoping, and I know that today's conversation will be jam-packed. So welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. So we ask all of our guests, kind of first question is for for everybody or those individuals to share their Albion story. What brought you to Albion, and what's kept you here? So I am what is known as a faculty spouse here in Albion. We came to Albion in 1996 because my husband Dave became a faculty tenure track faculty member at Albion College. Um, we moved here um, from the Detroit area. We had lived there for 10 years. Um, had had our three girls there while Dave was finishing his master's and PhDs at Wayne State. Um, he has two degrees in math and one in computer science. And the goal was always to get a professorship. And we had been to Albion. Um, we had driven through Albion on our way to, my parents had a cottage um, down in Kinderhook, right on the Indiana border. And we would stop in Albion for ice cream. And when he saw the posting um, for a professor for computer science, um, he said, okay, let's, let's check this one out. And I was raised in a really small town, and Dave is from South Dakota and originally, and we grew up in the Toledo area, but we're, we're from really small towns. And his other choice um, when he was applying for jobs was University of Alabama at Birmingham. And um, Albion was great. <laughs> it's a lot closer to our family. We decided to stay in the Midwest, and um, Albion it was. And he, we fell in love with Albion when we moved here. Um, does that make that yeah. makes a lot of sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a great time. And so you've raised three daughters here in the Albion community. They're now all grown. Um, so, uh, is your husband still with the college, or is he? Yep, Dave is. Um, Professor of Computer Science at Albion. Um, this is his 24th year, I do believe, of teaching. Mm-hmm. We raised all three of our girls. They were entering kindergarten, first and third grade when we moved here. Um, we live right on Michigan Avenue, and that was um, a great opportunity for us because, um, as Dave would say, he worked um, at Ford Hospital in Detroit. And we live closer to Albion College than his parking lot was to Ford Hospital in Detroit. <laughs> and he was really proud of that. He has walked to work all 24 years. And it was also um, really close and around the corner from Harrington. So girls were walking to Harrington. Dave was walking to work. Um, and I went back to school. I had not finished my degree when we moved here. So I became a student at Albion College. So it was a big turning point for our entire family because Dave was done with his degrees. Mom was going to work on her degree. 
and everybody was in elementary school. So yeah, it was a great, the girls would tell you that this was a really boring place to grow up, but we always would say this is a great place to raise kids because mm -hmm. we had a great time. This is a great community to raise your kids in. Um, cause everybody knew everybody and you could rely on somebody letting you know, Hey, I saw, I saw your kids. I saw them. I saw, you know, I stopped them. They were going to, you know, and it's that great community that there's a lot of, it's a village. It's a village to raise children in where everybody's looking out for everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. So I think you have definitely worked for several large organizations, you know, in the region, in our area, including Stark Commonwealth, Ella Sharp Museum, now Oakland. Tell us a bit about your career path and some of the common threads that, that connects your work that you've had over the course of your career. Sure. So um, when I came here, I like I said, I was going back to school. Um, I finished my degree at Albion. I got a degree in art history and then went to the University of Michigan to get my graduate degree um, at the University of Michigan in the School of Information. And Dave would always laugh. He's like, every school is about information. But um, the School of Information is about library science, and I have an ALA accredited degree. And my intention was to um, work in libraries or museums. Um, but while I was um, doing that degree, I actually did a historical internship at Star Commonwealth. And they had been calling the library I was working at in um, Ann Arbor and saying, you know, we need, we really want an intern to come help us with our history. And the um, programs manager looked at me, don't you live in Albion? Can't you just, can't you spend a day not commuting to Ann Arbor and go help them out? They've got really great stuff. And my advisor at the time said, and you could probably turn this into a job. Um, at the same time, they were posting a job for a professional records manager and um, an archivist. And so while I was working on their stuff, I, I applied for it. And they said, we did a national search. You, you I said, not only do I live here, I'm actually working on your campus right now. And they're like, wow, that's really great. Um, so archives and libraries um, are a passion of mine. STAR is a really great, um, I always talk about STAR when I talk about my career, and I was their corporate archivist. So I took care of their archive. I created an archive for them because everything was kind of all over. I was in every attic and basement and crawl space looking for the stuff that had been in nooks and crannies. And every uh, there would be fun times where longtime employees would be like, you know, I have this um, thing in my desk. I have this, you know, scrapbook, and I wanted it to be safe. But now that you're here, it can be safe with you. And I'm like, yes, please give Give me that notebook about George Washington Carver or, um, you know, other things that had happened. And then I also worked with STAR with their other sites um, in Van Wert and Columbus, working on their history and managing their corporate art collection. So a lot of people don't rec realize that STAR, one of their pieces of their asset base is their fine arts collection. Floyd Starr collected a lot of fine art and a lot of Asian art, um, and it's a big part of their asset base, and so there's a museum on campus, and I was um, directed that museum and worked with their fine arts, their paintings and their sculpture, um, and that's a that's a great a great job for anybody, especially when you're on your own. Um, it gives you a lot of hands-on experience. Anybody who has a museum degree tells you that they because they want to touch the art, and, and it's true. We, we put our hands all over it when we get a chance. So it's hard in museums. Sometimes you're like, oh, you can't touch that. I find myself peering behind pieces in museums just to see how it might be attached. Um, if you get too close, the alarms will go off. Um, <laughs> so you're the yeah, person setting I, off the alarm. That's me. Yeah, when you hear that, that's me. Because um, it's just interesting. Um, 
But for a long time, I've worked with the alumni base. They're the ones with the photographs. So they're the ones with the memories. Um, and then they're the ones who are retired and looking for where they're going to leave their estate. And Astar is such a great place um, and does such great things for people long term that then they want to then leave their money back to the organization that got them where they were. So I became a fundraiser mm-hmm. um, and worked on the alumni um, group and learned a lot about that. So managing a corporate art collection, managing an archive, um, and then being a fundraiser does actually lend the skills you need to to direct a place like the Ellis Art Museum. And so that was the next step in a career, was to go there. Um, that is the archival repository for Jackson County. Okay. They do not have a large um, stars. Fine arts collection was large is larger than the uh, the Ella Sharps. It's not their collecting focus. They really do collect um, clubs and business um, records and things, and and have a big mission because they have a big historic campus. Star also has a big historic campus with a lot of historic buildings. So managing that um, became a great um, a great next step. Um, was there for three years. had a, had a great time. I, I went back to Star for a year. Um, to help out and to to finish up some things that I hadn't finished before. But while I was there, um, got an opportunity to move to the local hospital. And um, I am just a fundraiser there, although I'm still looking in people's desks like, hey, why do you have this original picture in your office? Should we keep this somewhere else? And they're like, no. Um, but, so, and then, then the pharmacy, the pharmacy, they have a lot of historic equipment up there. And so just, I, I do that on the side, kind of, I elbow my way in and be like, Hey, we could do a display in the lobby. And so stuff like that. Um, but I'm primarily a fundraiser and do business development for Oaklawn, um, as a great representative here in Albion. So it sounds like a little bit like when you're walking around and looking at some of the items that it, it allows you to sort of like scratch that itch a little bit um, to do do that work even while you're doing great work um, in the in the development side of things. That's right. Yep. Because you know they do they um, the hospital's been there since 1925. There's a picture of the original house that it was in. There's a lot of um, stuff that's there, and it's really great. There's actually a physician. Um, he just got his 50-year award as being a member of the Marshall Rotary, but um, Dr. Glotfelty, and he would tell you, I worked here before there was antiseptic. Like, we used to do surgery with our bare hands, and I was like, wow, it's a long time ago. <laughs> that, oh, that's amazing, is. yeah. Yeah, we're not doing that now. So it's, it's, it is really interesting, and there, there are artifacts around. So just, just a little bit on the side. Yeah, neat. So with your current work related to fundraising and some significant projects located really here in Albion, like the Express Care Clinic, which is just right across the street from where we're at right now, and the improvements to the the office facility on B B Drive, can you share why Oakland has chosen to invest in Albion and how this these healthcare facilities are impacting our community? One of the things that's tied to the Affordable Care Act is a rule that hospitals must every three years do a community health needs assessment. What does your community need and how do you fulfill that? In the one that was done um, four years ago, access to care was one of the number was the number one thing on there. Um, and so Oakland was looking at the service area. Albion is um, a real, is an underserved population by the federal standards. So that's a great opportunity for um, anyone who's trying to enhance services. 
And at the same time, we were looking to partner on something for Albion College. They were looking for some support with their student health, um, some way to expand and maybe take out of their wheelhouse student health. So um, we wrote a grant application, um, which turned into actually a budgetary line item for um, $1 million specifically for Albion. Um, the way they write those things is a community of no less than this many and no more than this many situated in a county that is this big. I mean, it was, it was actually, it was, it was Albion. It couldn't have been anywhere else. Anybody who else was looking at it would have really been hard pressed to say, oh, that means our hospital would have fit or our community. So, um, that's what we, so we got a million dollar boost from the state to help with this endeavor. And that's why we really were determined to make sure we expanded healthcare access in Albion. When we opened the Express Care almost a year ago, it was February, um, early February, um, we thought, well, we're going to watch the numbers and we're going to see what happens in Marshall. And the numbers at the Marshall After Hours Express didn't change, and neither did the emergency room numbers. They never wavered, not one iota in the midst, in the just the thick of flu season. And so that told us we're serving people who were either going going east for care, because it's really easy to hop on that other um, exit and get on 94, or these are people who weren't getting care at all. Mm -hmm. So um, when we first opened, we were open five days a week, and not on not on Sunday, six days a week, and not on Sunday. And then within six months, we opened up that seventh day. And when you open a clinic seven days a week, then that means you're open 365 days a year. So people in Albion can get care that is urgent, yet not emergent. And that was really important. Um, we just did another community health needs assessment, because like I said, they're every three years. Um, this year, this time, um, the three big, um, you always have to identify three things, um, mental health, behavioral health, Access to care is still one of the top three, and chronic disease. So we still work on how are we fulfilling that here? How do we partner with area other organizations and area providers? Um, access to care still continues to be a thing on this side of the county. We have um, supported down at the Cram, um, Ralph and Mary Cram Medical Center, putting in um, vision and hearing testing, especially for our seniors and our underserved people who can't travel anywhere else to get that. So those things are going to be going in down there. I think they're already in process. Um, so when we moved the primary care clinic down to sit down here with the express care that gave us an opportunity to say what are we doing with that space up on B Drive North we have the dialysis center and then we also have our physical therapy which stayed there because um, it's a great it's a great location for physical therapy and Pace approached us senior care partners Pace and they said we already serve um, people from Albion and Homer who are riding a bus um, to Battle Creek so we really feel like they pushed very hard and very early. Like we, before we had even taken ourselves out of that space, they were pushing very hard for we want to be in this space. We have so many people who need serve. Um, so that's what we've seen up there. They have invested $1.5 million in um, building out that space so that it meets their needs. But a program of all-inclusive care for the elderly, that's what that is. Um, that serves people who are nursing home eligible but want to stay in their home. And who doesn't most times want to stay in their home? It allows our seniors to age in place but go up there for physical therapy, for dialysis, um, see their doctor. So when you enter one of these programs, um, you become they become your provider for everything. And they bust you up there if you don't have transportation, their socialization. It's not an everyday thing. It's not a living 
in place at all. It's a it's a day center, and so if you have family members who um, this is going to be you know their path, it's it's just a great opportunity in this area to keep our seniors here mm-hmm. and keep by. them health and keep them healthy. Yeah, and it sounds like I have to imagine that the work to address those like access to healthcare, those those are long-term things. It, it isn't a, an immediate fix. You just open an express care center or pace center and everybody goes, oh yeah, I have plenty of access to care. It's a little bit of a, it'll take some time to almost break those habits or those thought process that you go, oh, there's not really an easy place to get into or, you know, or I have to go all the way to Battle Creek or I have to go, you know, to Marshall or Jackson. And so I just won't go. Um, and so I have to imagine that the whole team is is thinking about like how you continue to just work on changing everybody's mindset too about where those resources are, what's the closest, sharing out the information. So I know there's you know some of the healthcare navigator. We have one key real healthcare navigator here in Almian. I have to imagine that they are they're very important to that process. They are very important. It's very important too for our college population. They're away from home, but they still need health care. They have a lot of health care needs. Um, we have kids who come here who have chronic issues. You know, we, we all grow up and some people have more chronic issues than others. And small private liberal arts colleges like Almian are a great place for them to go because they can get individual attention and we need to make sure that we can address their health care needs as well. This county does not have countywide transportation, and so that's a big issue. It's always an issue. Um, We hammer that home all the time. We do not have a bus system. We do not have a taxi system. We have very few people who, we do not have an Uber or a Lyft hub that I know of here yet. so we're always looking at what, how are people getting there, ride share. Um, sometimes every once in a while we just call people we know and say, can you just go pick this person up and take them to, the, to their appointment? So um, Dial-A-Ride helps. Um, the Albion Marshall Connector helps, but they're not a long-term solution. They're just kind of a stopgap until we can find something better. And the county does is working on that. They are working very hard on a transportation study. They're working very hard on trying to make some solutions for this, but things things unfortunately take way too much longer than than we would hope we would hope they would. Um, there are lots of resources. We're trying that's the other thing is always trying to communicate resources. Um, always trying to find out what that channel is and how to disseminate information. How do, how do you disseminate information to people who um, maybe don't have internet or aren't watching TV? Mm-hmm. I mean, those would be their first couple things, right? Um, we discovered a really interesting channel for dis- disseminating information. Last year when we opened our clinic, we had a VISTA working um, as part of the Albion College VISTA team working for us. And the Albion Ministerial Association threw open their doors and said, you can tell us whatever you want, and we will get it out there. And that was a big, big help, um, being able to communicate through the big network of churches in this area, because they do reach a lot of people who don't have TV, who don't have Internet, who aren't listening to Pandora. Or It was really amazing how much information we could get out through that, through that method. And it... You know, it's easy to assume that transportation and healthcare aren't connected, but they they really are. There's so many pieces. I mean, transportation can impact so many different things, but also healthcare can also be very interconnected with with a variety of projects. We work really hard um, on 
trying to determine social, what they call social determinants of health. And what are those things that aren't just your physical being that affect your health? It's, do you have appropriate housing? Do you have transportation? Do you have enough food in your cupboards? And there are a lot of docs who have a um, survey that they ask people to fill out. And it says, have you, some of the questions are, you know, have you, have you feared being, or have you been without food in the last 30 days or the last 60 days? Have you been without your medication because you couldn't afford it? Have you been, you know, have you lacked in some other, and there's a whole list, mm -hmm. um, to try to help get to the heart of, gosh, this person's chronic disease isn't getting better because they're only taking their medication half the time because they, they can't afford it. Yeah. So trying to get around those, wrap around those things or people who are ill because they don't have their heat on, um, those things affect your long-term health. And we try to get, we try to get to what those are mm -hmm. and try to solve them when we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and so certainly you're exceptionally knowledgeable about healthcare and healthcare services. So for some individuals, they might go, you know, then then what's the interest in the Chamber of Commerce? How, how does that, I have to imagine, it all goes together. So in your mind, your role as, you know, the president of the chamber, but now back to a board member of the chamber, how does that work connect for you in your in your day-to-day -day work? Well, when you, when you lead a nonprofit like a museum and you work in nonprofits for so long, you get a good, a good appreciation for what it takes to make them run. And for me, it just is an opportunity to help organizations be just run. Um, I'm going to throw out there because I know that she'll say something if I don't say it. I'm also on the board of the Albion Historical Society, <laughs> um, which is, again, a passion. Um, but you want you want the, the places in town to be well run. You want them to have opportunities and you want um, take advantage of those opportunities to, to serve. I, I find it really important. I find it really meaningful. When we first moved here, I was on the library board. Before it was a district library, I go back to the public library days. Um, so board service is something I really enjoy. Um, and actually as part of the certification that I have, I have a certified fundraising um, um, qualification and you have to do service. You have to do public service as part of that. And so serving on these boards um, helps with that. And Part of being an archivist, this is a part of my own personal story. Um, I used to um, do like career day talks at Star to some of the kids, and I would say, you know, I was just that busybody as a kid, and I, you know, had read about everything. I was the gossip. I knew everything that was going on in high school, and that leads you to an archives career. And you just like knowing what's. I just like knowing what's going on. I just, I just like knowing, you know, what's happening where and who's doing what and how can I help? How can we tie it together? How can we all work together? That's what I love about the chamber. You just get to know everything fun that's going on in town. It's a great, this has got to be the best time to live in Albion. There's so much going on, and so much of it is positive, and it's just growing and growing. I know that my girls come home sometimes. One of them still lives here, so not, not Elizabeth. But the other two, they're like, sometimes it doesn't feel like we're in Albion. And I'm like, 
yeah, well, I know you live someplace hip and cool, but we're going to live someplace hip and cool too, because we have all these great things that are going on. And it just feels really good. And it's just fun to see things blossom and, you know, to have places be crowded. It's fun to stand in line when you have to wait your turn for your coffee or your donut or, you know, at the brewery. It's fun to, you know, drive by and see that it's full all the time. And it's just great. It's just fun to finally be somewhere really cool to live. So while you were talking about your role and, and how you sort of take that experience of um, organizational management, it made me think that everybody who's usually a part of these organizations have a passion for whatever, you know, whether it's with the senior center or supporting senior health and wellness or with kids and stuff and, and, and youth development, child development, everybody has those passions and, and they really want their organizations to do that work. Has there, have there been times along the way that as a fundraiser that you sort of like bang your head against the wall thinking like organizationally we have to improve for really for, for us to use this money well? And is that a part of the work that you've done over the years? Yeah, sure. And sometimes you're at an event. For me, it's being at an event. And just being like, okay, they're gonna. This is where they're gonna ask for money. No, this. No, this is where they're gonna ask. Mm, wow, I left an event once and they hadn't asked for money. And I went up to the organizer and I said, okay, you tugged on all of the heartstrings. Why take my money? Like, why are you not? You gotta ask. The, the number one reason people don't give money is you didn't ask. And so part of it is getting people to that place. Um, I don't just walk up to people on the street and shake them down for money. Like I, this is a professional development where you learn, the more you learn about the people who want to donate to your organization, the easier it gets because the more involved you get with your donors, then all of a sudden they're turning to you and say, you know, I have this idea or I have some money and I'd like to do this. And you help connect them to the projects they want to see done. It's it's always the case, especially with people who are really up at the top end of philanthropy. They have a mission, and they want to see it fulfilled, and they're trying to find that conduit to get there. Um, so it's great fun. It's great fun. And, and I, like I said, it's it's fun to help tweak people like, hey, this is a really great. You, you should ask. You should be more firm. Ask us. Just ask us outright. Or, you know, just being having people not be afraid to ask. Because um, it's okay. Because people say no. You you have to take that too. Like three, two out of every four people that you ask for money, they say no. <laughs> and that's okay. And it's yeah. not personal. It's not personal. It's not. It's not personal. And you just you got to find that fit, and you got to just keep moving and and keep your your organization going. I'm, there's just so many great ways you do you do overlap with people, um, but you get to see what are people's passions and what do they want to really see succeed here. I would suggest that anybody listening who has a passion for an organization, tell them, tell them. You can tell them a couple different ways. You can write them a check. You can show up at their events and be enthusiastic. And not everybody who's on a board is writing a big check. Everybody who's on a board has passion and has something that they want to provide. So if that's your passion, you should stand up and let people know you'd like to help. Because the more hands, um, many hands make light work. Isn't that the, the phrase? Mm -hmm. So it's fun to have lots of people be involved and, and do that. A lot of people don't have time. You know, people are at different stages of their lives. And um, you have kids, you have elderly parents, that kind of thing. But it's great to just have people step up and say, hey, please, I want to help. Mm -hmm. So we yeah. want to help dial them in. That's right. So 
you have been here in Albion, I won't ask how many years, but you've been here long enough to see Albion in a lot of different stages of its quote unquote life, its lifetime. And what, what are things that you envision for Albion in the future? That's a great question. Um, you know, we're getting there. I'd really like to see um, a few less empty houses. I mean, we're, see, we're starting to see that. Um, I'd like to see downtown full. I'd like to there not be such big gaps in between um, things you can do. We, we try very hard to entertain ourselves here in Albion, um, trivia nights and, and just everything. Um, I just would like to see more of it. I, I, I know that we talk a lot about senior housing. I think we're getting there. Um, every once in a while we say to ourselves, maybe we should just buy a lot and build something really senior friendly and live out our days in it and then it'll get sold to somebody else. You know, I, that's a practical thing. Because um, we see that people want to age here. We're trying to help people age in place. And hopefully the Pace Center that's going in helps. Um, it's great to have this multi-generational stuff. The college thriving is a really important part of it. I think we've seen more college town integration um, recently than we've seen in a long time. You know, they have that Cass Street. I walk down that Cass Street, um, that lit pathway all the time because it goes from my house downtown. It's great. Um, so those are some of the things I'd really like to see, just more, more, more of what we have. Keep going, um, you know. You've seen, you know, you know where the empty places are, but mm -hmm. it's great. I, I want more people to love living in Albion because we do, we've, we have been here 24 years. <laughs> How about that? Um, and we would be considered like newbies sometimes, mm -hmm. but let's have more newbies. Let's have more people who want to live here. There's a lot of jobs coming up in the surrounding areas. Um, there's a lot going to be more jobs here. Um, people have to live somewhere. We've got a lot of nice places in Albion to to, to enjoy um, a lot of great, great houses here. Mm -hmm. They're really fun. Yeah, I think I also want that, that feeling of falling in love with a community, with the town, um, with Albion. I want more people to experience that, and I want to be able to be around and see it and see how they change to coming to all kinds of different events and walking downtown and being there at Walk the Beat and, and always going to Sterling or all the different places. I want to see more people fall in love with Albion. Like I hear so many people talk about who, who came or moved 20 years ago and, and along that process came to love, love Albion. I want more of those people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me as well. So certainly it doesn't sound like there's a lot of time in your schedule that you have to relax. You're very busy all the time. But if somebody encountered you around in the area and you weren't wearing one of your hats, whether Chamber or Oakland or, or whatnot, if, none of, if all of those hats were at home or at the office, what might someone find you doing in those in-between times? So we're, Dave and I like to um, remind ourselves that we know a lot of useless knowledge. And um, so we love trivia night. Um, we do a lot of trivia nights because um, so we just know so much crazy information. Um, so we do a lot of, we do a lot of trivia and that's fun. Um, my family will tell you that I would, you would find me in my um, knitting room. I have a knitting room because <laughs> um, I am a, a voracious knitter. I do I do that a lot. Um, my grandsons are allowed to request 
things. They request colors and things. I want a purple sweater this time, or I want red socks. Or um, do we do a lot of cooking at home? Um, last year was the summer of sourdough. Um, so worked on my sourdough mm -hmm. skills. This is the year of pie. Um, so we're going to work on some new pie skills. Um, we do a lot of work on our house. Um, I'm sure my son-in-law is laughing because he knows how hard we work on our house. But um, we have an older house, and it, uh, there's always something going on. Um, and my grandsons live two blocks from me. So I spend a lot of time with them. So we, like we said earlier, of three girls. One um, grew up, um, moved here when Elizabeth was turning eight and in third grade and she still lives here and um, she, the farthest she has lived away from us was when she lived in the freshman dorm even to today she lives closer to us than that freshman dorm and she doesn't find there to be any reason she married someone from Albion she lives here in Albion she has her kids they have two kids and those are great we have our middle daughters in Warren um, so Hannah's gone a little bit farther afield she went to Denison and um, has landed herself in the Detroit area. And then Emily is our farthest flung afield, and she spent some time in Turkey, and she spent some time in Washington, D.C., and now just recently this winter she's moved up to Chicago. So three, three and a half hours is a great commute time to get Emily back and forth. And she can take the train, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. She gets off the train and um, thinks that's great, or she'll rent a car or something to come home, but which is just awesome. So that's, that's a lot of where we spend a lot of our time. Food, family, knitting. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your time today. You certainly are an outstanding example of a champion for Albions in the community. We appreciate your willingness to help move Albion forward towards the brighter future that is right there and in progress. We really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. If anybody has any feedback or suggestions about who we should interview, please get in touch with us on our website, downtownalbion.com, or leave a comment on one of our episodes. We hope that you'll join us next time on Brick by Brick. Make sure that you've subscribed to Brick by Brick on iTunes or soundcloud.com. You can also find and listen to each episode on our website, downtownalbion.com forward slash Brick by Brick. Until next time, we hope to see you around town.